we are beginning our study in the book of Acts. And um, I hope you will be as excited as I am excited about the book of Acts. My first account of the book of Acts was when I was doing my O-level religion, religious studies in Ghana. My topic was Paul's missionary journeys in the book of Acts. It didn't mean anything to me at all. I had to pass the exam so I memorized things and went and wrote what I had to write. But I thought, wow, when I became a Christian, Acts became a whole different book to me. And it reminds me of the scripture where Jesus said to the believers, if you hold to my teaching, then you really know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When you hold to Jesus' teaching, you become his disciple, then you know the truth. When I became a disciple, the book of Acts took on a whole new angle. Okay, And I think um, it's appropriate that we begin with the book of Acts on our first Sunday, the new year, and a new decade, because the book of Acts is a time of new beginnings. It's a time of new beginnings. Okay, It's really about a new beginning. I mean, Jesus has died. He's raised from the dead. He's ascending. And Luke is telling us about the book of Acts. And things are going to change. Okay? A new kind of special people are being formed by God. A new nation, the church, is being born. A new way of relating to God's pe- God and his people. The new covenant is being set in place. Our faith is being expanded. Those before the resurrection believe in the miracles of Christ. On the day of Pentecost, our faith is in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A new condition for receiving salvation was set, the Christian baptism. A new aspect of gifts of salvation came. The Holy Spirit came to dwell in people. Yeah. Book of Acts was a whole new beginning. And I do pray, when we read it as a church, it's not intellectual exercise. Amen. I want us to be in the book of Acts because the Holy Spirit comes and it turns the world upside down. Amen. It tells the world upside down. And the disciples carry that message with deep conviction. Really, my prayer is as we go through the book of Acts, as Christians, we will share that conviction. We will stand strong on the word. We will stand strong on the word. The first beginning, why were they so persecuted? They spoke about the deity and the messiahship of Jesus. Now, the Jews have always maintained, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Mm-hmm. And then these people will say Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Why were they saying that? And they got persecuted for it. Mm-hmm. Stephen was killed. Why? Because he was saying the way we relate to God will be different. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to Jerusalem temple anymore. Mm-hmm. Actually, you go to God through Christ. Mm-hmm. The temple is redundant. Mm-hmm. The sacrifices, the priests, they are all now, redundant. Wow. What happened to Stephen? He was killed. Yeah. Peter refused to go to Cornelius' house. Mm. Why? Because if he went there, he had to eat with a Gentile. Mm. What were the food rules for the Jews? You don't eat with Gentiles. 
and in vision, God comes to Peter and says, Peter, I said those truths, now it's cancelled. Go to Cornelius and eat with him. Mm-hmm. And so, by so did the fundamental theory of practice of holiness in Judaism was altered forever. Mm-hmm. They were turning the world upside down. Circumcision. Huge. Every Jew male will be circumcised to be part of the nation. And of course they become Christians. They didn't even connect circumcision with salvation. Now the Gentiles are coming into the church and they think, oh, they need to be circumcised. And the apostolic proclamation says, no. Circumcision was unnecessary. And contributed nothing whatsoever to salvation for the Gentiles and the Jews. That was turning the world upside down. But that was a message they carried. They stood against pagan spiritism. They stood against politics, philosophy in Athens. And so, I pray when we study the book of Acts we understand what was happening in that world. And that same thing happens to us today. Okay, we need to stand and proclaim Christ. And we'll be opposed. But you know what? Christ said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So today we'll begin the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 1 today. We'll go to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we may pause a bit because... I really want us to understand the Holy Spirit. It is important for us to understand the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives. The Holy Spirit corrugates our mission. Sometimes disciples go out and they think we did it. No! The Holy Spirit was working way advanced of you. He was just pushing you to a place to carry out his mission. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Satan wants to take us out. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is fighting on our behalf for us to remain righteous. And so, the book of Acts is exciting for me. I pray it will be exciting for all of us. Let's pray and read the scriptures. God in heaven, we do thank you. We thank you for your message of salvation. That we don't have to go to a temple to be saved. Salvation come through Christ only. And it's by grace. We don't have to be perfect to be saved. We don't have to kill animals. By your blood, we have been washed. And we are so grateful for that. I pray as we go through the book of Acts, we will remind ourselves, rekindle what was the DNA of the fellowship we are part of today. Please be with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Acts chapter 1, please. Acts chapter 1. It will be on the board if you don't have your Bibles. Or if your gadgets are not working. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. 
after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or days that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in wild stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they are said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those presents were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago, through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in the language Akadelma. That is filled of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living amongst us, beginning from John's baptism to time when Jesus was taken out from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph called Basavos, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the Lord fell on 
to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Amen. Amen. I do have three points today. First point, we need to be persuaded. The second point, we need to be prayerful. And the third point, we need to be prepared. Are we ready to be persuaded? The Bible tells us Luke is writing to Theophilus and he said, I wrote about in my first book what Jesus came to do. Gone to do and to teach. And this book will be a continuation of that. The book of Acts is a continuation of what Jesus did and taught. This time, we won't see Jesus physically, but the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit will operate through the disciples. And he said, Jesus, after he rose, came back and gave many convincing proofs. He wanted the people to be persuaded as to what they were about. These men believed They've been convinced by Christ. They've been persuaded. His incarnation, his life, his mission, his passion, his teaching, his miracles, his suffering, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his kingdom, his ascension, and his return. They were to be persuaded. They were to be persuaded. And that's why Jesus came back, spent 40 days, as he says, Persuading them about what it was all about. And it was important. Peter says yes, he was persuaded. He writes in Second Peter 2. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Verse 18, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. He was talking about the transfiguration. He was there with John and James. He said, I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. I heard God speaking about Jesus. I was there. I'm persuaded. And brothers and sisters, if we're going to carry the message, we need to be convinced. We need to be persuaded. Thomas the disciples told Thomas we have seen the Lord what did Thomas say unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where he nails were and put my hand into his side I will not believe I'm not persuaded I don't care what you say I've been with you for three years but I don't believe what you've just said Then Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Amen. Amen. Proclaim the deity of Christ. He's persuaded. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet seen 
and have believed. Amen. Amen. Blessed are you in this room who didn't see Jesus. And you believe that's what Jesus said. We need to be persuaded. Paul was persuaded. Said, I'm suffering. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced. He said, I'm persuaded. I am convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Jesus is coming back. Paul was persuaded. Luke was doing his best to persuade Theophilus, wasn't he? That's the whole reason why I wrote the book of Luke and Acts. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the first, from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself, Luke said, I myself have carefully investigated everything. I'm persuaded. From the beginning, I have this, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent cheerfulness, so that you also may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Theophilus, I want you to be persuaded. That's what Luke is saying. I have investigated. I'm persuaded. We need to be persuaded. We are all to be persuaded. Jesus performed many other things in the presence of disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. Amen. The reason John wrote the gospel, he says, so that we may be persuaded. He said, many things were done by Jesus, which is not even in the Bible. But these were recorded so that we may be persuaded. If we are going to carry this message, we need deep conviction. We need to believe. We need to have faith. We need to stand on God's word. We need to be persuaded. Amen. So the first thing we need to do, we need to be persuaded. We need to be persuaded. We need to have deep conviction. We are convinced by Christ as to what we do. And that is important. That is important. That we go out, not because of some religious thing. We are not here this Sunday because it's just religious. We are here because we are persuaded. Amen. Amen. The body met. They worship the Lord. We need to be persuaded. The second thing we need to do, we need to be prayerful. We need to be prayerful. It tells us they all join together constantly in prayer. Along with the women Mary and Mary the mother of Jesus. They've just seen Jesus taken up. up. They've walked Sabbath day's walk. And they are thinking, wow, Jesus has said us we should go to where Judea, Samaria, we should take the message to the ends of the world. They are overwhelmed. They, they thought the kingdom would be restored. Jesus said, not yet. They are waiting. They told Jesus will be with them. He's been taken. They are confused. Do you understand what I'm saying? What do you do in that state? What do you do in that state? They decided to pray. They were overwhelmed by the mission ahead to go to the ends of the world. Now, 
We are in Birmingham, aren't we? We are not even called Christians of the world, though we should. I went and typed in to find out the neighborhoods we have in Birmingham. All right, tell us now. How many neighborhoods do you think came up in Birmingham? 185. Do you live in this neighborhood? Okay. 185 neighborhoods in Birmingham. I was overwhelmed. I needed to pray. (laughs) Okay, now I don't know how accurate that is or whether it's up to date, but 185 neighborhoods. Perhaps you see your neighborhood in there. I saw Satin Coalfield. I was fired up. I thought that was Satin Coalfield. Okay. I didn't even know there was Soho in Birmingham. Okay. And, um, but you do know your neighborhoods. Okay. Now, Jesus didn't say they should go to Birmingham neighborhoods. He said go to the ends of the world. They had to pray. Amen. They had to pray. They had to pray. I need to find where Bolty Triangle is. It's where? Okay. At least you know these areas. I'm here to learn this, all these areas in Birmingham. But guys, you know what? Imagine if we had disciples in each of these neighborhoods. Okay. And this is just Birmingham. We haven't even touched Overhampton or Coventry. You see what I'm saying? There is much to be done. The Midlands. The Midlands. There is much to be done. There is much to be done. And they were overwhelmed. So they decided to do what? Pray. But they prayed because they had an example in Jesus. The example was Jesus. Because in Jesus' life, he was always praying. When he got baptized, he was praying and the heavens opened. Hey, Amen. Mm-hmm. At daybreak, he would go to solitary place. Mark Gospel said, very early in the morning, he would go to solitary place and pray. Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he would pray. Luke 6.12, he went out to pray and spent the whole night praying. And when he came, he called the apostles. Choosing the apostles. Luke 9.18, he prayed. That's when Peter made his confession. 9.28, of course, is the transfiguration. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray in Luke 11. Luke 22 in Gethsemane, Jesus' life was devoted to prayer. That's why the disciples prayed. Okay? So when we see them praying in the book of Acts, it is not strange. And they did pray a lot in the book of Acts. Wow. 31 times. Prayer is mentioned. First one is the one we're looking at right now. Constantly together praying. Verse 24, they prayed as they chose Matthias. 2.42, the Bible says they were devoted to prayer. 3.1, remember Peter and John goes out to pray at 3 p.m.? And they meet that cripple by the gate. 
silver and gold we do not have, but what you have, they went to pray. 423, after they preached that message, on the day of Christ, they are put in prison. And what happened? They came back, reported. And what did the church do? They raised their voices in prayer. They didn't say, oh, we're being persecuted, let's run away. They prayed. And after they prayed, the place gets shaken. Amen. Amen. Chapter 6, verse 4. Problem arises. They said, no, we should devote ourselves to prayer ministry of the word. Let's choose some people to serve. And they choose those people and they pray for them in Acts 6, 6. Acts 7, 59. Stephen is dying. And what does he do? He prays. 8, 15. The believers believe in Samaria. They send them. Apostles go there and pray. Acts 9, 11. Ananias scared going to Paul. What was Paul doing? The angels said, go to him. He's praying. Paul was praying before he got baptized. Acts 9.40. They pray. Acts 10. All the way to 11. Cornelius. Peter. Prayer. Is going on. Okay. Acts 11. They go to Joppa praying. And meet people. It goes on. And I love the scriptures. Because all the way to chapter 28. The disciples are praying. That's how they live their lives. And we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. More things are shaped by prayer than this world dreams of. When we pray, things do happen. We know because the scripture says so. When we pray, you can say a word and change the course of history. Can you believe that? You can say a prayer and change the course of history. And guess what Satan will do? The devil will grant us anything if he can keep us off our knees. Satan will give you anything to stop you praying. Oh, you need a little bit more sleep. It's really cold outside. I don't, you see what I'm saying? Satan will give you anything to steep you away from because a prayerless pew is a powerless one. And a prayerless pulpit is a powerless pulpit. Where there is no faith, there is no prayer. And Satan will stop us from praying. And as a church, we need to pray. Not just collectively, but on our own, wherever we are in our rooms, when we close our doors, we are praying. In our beds, we are praying. When we walk, we are praying. And the church ought to be known for prayer. The temple in Jerusalem was known to be the house of prayer. We are the new temple. We need to be known for praying. Amen. So we need to be prayerful. And it shouldn't be just church program. Of course, this Friday we are doing the 24-hour prayer chain. Okay? And um, please sign up. I'll put the sheet somewhere there. Sign up. you got an email. Just sign up for the prayer chain. And then the night, the men will meet and will pray. We'll pray from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. It will be brothers crying before the Lord. Confessing our sins to each other. Lifting the Lord up. And getting ourselves ready for the battle. Because Satan will fight us. And it's not going to be our strength. It's going to be by prayer. 
we need to pray. Our dear sister Lorna is ill. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was just a man like us. He prayed that it shouldn't rain and it didn't rain. He prayed that it should rain and it did rain. Now, if it's the Lord's will for Lorna to be here, believe me, the prayer will make difference. If it's time for her to go too, believe me, I envy her. She will be with the Lord for eternity. I'm not predicting. But whatever it is, we need to be men and women of faith. Christian life is precious. Death is defeated. We are not afraid of death. It was conquered on the cross. What is interesting though, Jesus wept when Lazarus died. Though a few minutes later he will raise him up. And I'm thinking, so we do feel the pain of death. The emotions. And the separation. And wish we are human enough to have those emotions. We should. But we shouldn't be afraid. But we we'll pray for our dear sister Lorna. Let's pray for Lorna. We do pray for Lorna. And everybody else who is ill. Okay. And God will do what he needs to do. We need to pray. We need to be prayerful. Finally, we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. I always wonder why. There are 11 wonderful apostles. Why did they have to choose another one? They were preparing themselves as a team for the mission. We are going to be a team for this mission. We need to be ready as a team. Every single person counts in this room. Okay. And we need to be prepared for the task ahead. We work together as a team. And I like the scripture in Romans. It says, in Christ, though we are many who form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Amen. Can you see the interdependence the Bible calls us to? We cannot be independent. The world is independent. Christians are interdependent. We need each other. I belong to Carol Edmondson. She belongs to me. Now, she's married to Derek. That's fine. I'm not saying that. But Derek belongs to me and I belong to Derek. You understand what I'm saying? We are brothers and sisters. We work as a team. I love uh, Brian Davis. It's communion. I said, Brian, guess what? Emergency, Roy can't do the communion. Can you step in? It is done. We work together. Okay, we work together. We work as a team. We work as a team. We have different gifts. Verse 6. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Amen. Honor one another above yourselves. Above yourselves. No selfish ambition and vain conceit. We honor one another above ourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Amen. 
but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the lost people who are in need. Practice hospitality. What a wonderful verse. We can all practice hospitality. It doesn't have to be steak. It's okay to put baked beans and bread on the table. It's the relationship that matters. It's the relationship that matters. But we need to work as a team. This year, we're going, we need to work as a team. Ephesians 4. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ. From him, from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If we all did our work, believe me, the church will grow. And there's much to be done. <coughs> Look at the men in this room. They need to be looked after. What do I mean by that? We need to look after the men's ministry. Men have needs. And men need to rise to shepherd the men. Amen. Amen. Look at the women in this room. They have needs. It needs to be met. Look at the marriage in this room. They have needs. It needs to be met. Where is our teenagers? They have huge needs. Oh, yeah. I wish I was going to church as a teenager. <laughs> my life would have been good. I would have passed all my exams. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> our preteens, our students, the singles. In a church like this, there's needs. And we need to work as a team. We need to work as a team. Okay. The men need to rise and teach. I shouldn't be the only one standing here every Sunday, by the way. Of course, I'm full-time in the ministry, but believe me, that's just a role. We all need to rise to teach. Okay. If we are going to win 185 neighborhoods, we all need to be equipped to study the Bible with people. We all need to know how to study the Bible with people. And that's why the midweeks on Wednesdays will be used to equip for sad things. Our kids' kingdom coordination, health and safety, child protection, safeguarding. There are so many things. Even in a little group like this. I came, there was a young lady earlier putting the banner outside. That's a wow. You understand what I'm saying? Francesca putting tissues, coverings, various stuff. Sig was opening the doors, people opening the cup. You understand what I'm There's so much to do. The worship team gets here so early to practice. We all have a lot to do. Our website looks awesome, but somebody does that. You see what I'm saying? It is so much to be done. Our young Christians need to be taken care of. Okay? We need to arrange dating. When I was a single man, the best thing that happened to me was to go on date. And to, and to know the opposite sex. I had very weird view about women. <laughs> Praise God. The kingdom changed my thinking. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So dating is not about so much romance. Encourage one another. Yeah. Encourage yeah. one another. Yeah. I think my Bible study grew because one sister I went on date with knew the Bible more than me. <laughs> and uh, I thought, man, 
I need to study my Bible. I need to know the Bible better than him. <laughs> it was prideful, vain, conceited notion, but it did help me. <laughs> she knew her scriptures. And I thought, wow, that woman knows the Bible. How come I don't know the Bible? And we're baptized at the same time. So I thought, okay, I need to know the Bible better than her. My whole goal was to beat her and guard the gospel. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I won't tell you. But um, I remember the first one, the Glazak would be announced, and the sister beat me by five points. I thought, what? And actually, she topped the whole class. And all the brothers were, what is that? You know? So we came, next time she beat us by one point. And we thought, you know what, the final exams, we need to check this sister out. Now, it was purely prideful competitive. But all I'm saying is dating is helpful in many ways. Um, we need to help. We need to work as a team. We need to work as a team. We need to look out for the needs of each other. We need to benevolence issues, whatever it is. But we need to prepare as a team. Okay, we cannot work in isolation. We cannot work in isolation. We need to work as a team. Okay. You may bring a visitor or not. It doesn't matter. When I walk into church, I don't care who brought who. I've studied the Bible with anybody. Because we're a team. We all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses. But we need to work as a team. So, that's what we get from Acts 1. We need to be prayerful. We need to be persuaded. Have deep conviction. Stand on Christ. We need to be prayerful. And I tell you, make it a habit. It will not come. Satan will stop you from praying. Fight that battle. Get out. Go and pray. Eventually it becomes a habit. If you don't pray, you feel like, oh, something is missing. You've acquired a habit of prayer. And we need to be prepared as a team. Let's work together as a team. Okay, but we are all on board. I personally, I'm so fired up about our family group. It's our little group. It's a team. You understand what I'm saying? We're in the Wakefield's group in Satin Cofield. And we have our marriage deep group in there. Wow. Wow. And our needs are being met. We sit as married. Remember the booklet on marriage we said we are going to go through? We sat down and we did the first chapter on covenant. And we're all convicted. Wow. <laughs> Marriage covenant is intense. God doesn't break his covenant with us. Who are we to break our covenant with each other? That is very convicting. Yeah. <laughs> That's very convicting. Okay. We need to search our hearts. We did the first one on covenant. The second one is on what? Come on, Martin. Anyway, I think it's on something. Spirituality or something. Scott, what is the second one? Anyway. <laughs> but what we do, we get together as, well, six of us. We did it. What then we do, husband and wife go and talk about a topic. And then we assemble again. And we'll talk about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's very simple, but it helps us to grow in our marriage. Based on scripture. We work as a team. Because Satan wants to draw us apart in marriage. And the scriptures will bring us together. So let's work as a team. 2020. Believe me, as a team, what is God going to do with this church? 
if we work as a team? How many married couples will be added to this church if we work as a team? How many single men will be added to this church if we work as a team? That's very much on my heart, by the way. I want my single sister to get married. And guess what is going to happen? We're going to baptize single men. It's on my heart, believe me. And God, let them come. Spiritual men who love the Lord. Amen. So that's on my heart. And I'm praying for that. I want our teen ages to do well in the exams. I want our students to flourish. That's our prayer. Okay. Marriages should be strengthened. There are challenges. We have widows amongst us. I was studying on that on Book of Acts. It's so convicting. They have needs too. And they are ignored. Mostly just as they were ignored in Acts chapter 6. And we need to know those needs. And help. So. That will be the message for Acts chapter 1. Next week will be Acts chapter 2. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit. He's going to empower us for our mission. We need to understand him. We need to be in all of him. Thank you very much.